What's going on, guys? My name is David Gibbs. I am the host and founder of this podcast, SIDcast, a podcast resource dedicated to telling stories and sharing the experiences of the sports information and athletic communications profession. Before we get any further into today's episode, I would like you to go over to iTunes or wherever you get this podcast and leave us a rating and review. It helps the show to grow up on the charts as well as continue to tell the SID story. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Infocast and sign up for our newsletter at sidcast.fireside.fm slash newsletter. Now, let's get into today's conversation. I have to go back and record a new intro. Um, for those that don't know, we do switch over our newsletter stuff. You no longer have to subscribe using uh, any of the Google Form things that we have. You can just go to sidcast.substack.com. That's sidcast.substack.com to uh, sign up for our newsletter. Anyway, in that way, it's like a website. That It's a free website, first of all. You sign up for free. I'm not asking any money of you. Um, never would. Uh, it's a free website. You just type in your um, email address, and you'll get SIDcast news and SIDcast episodes straight to your inbox via Substack. But it'll say from me, SIDcast or David, whatever you want to call it. Um, today is a guy that we have had on, or we have not had on before, but um, have had kind of in mind for a while. And it wasn't until Adam Levin. Um, a while ago, a couple months ago, um, hit me up and said, these are some people that you should have on. And Jeff was on there. Uh, I actually, he, he doesn't remember. I think he doesn't remember this now, but, um, back in Orlando, maybe three or four years ago, I don't remember. Uh, me and Sterling were recording a kind of a Kosaya thoughts recap in Orlando. And when this guy opens the door, and he comes in and he starts talking. He's like, what are you doing? What is this? You know, uh, turned out to be Jeff Bernstein. Um, and I figured it was appropriate to have him on the show uh, at some point. It just never got around to it considering there's a lot of you. Um, but we finally have him on on now. Um, we'll talk a lot about uh, what's going on in the world today. We're not going to dance around that subject. We're going to get straight to it. Um, unlike a lot of people would, I think. But uh, we cover a lot of a variety of things today, so things that um, I think are, are important, not only in SID sense, but also in life sense about um, taking chances and maybe some moments and maybe that um, just because one thing seems bad doesn't always mean that it's going to be stay that bad. Um, we also cover... Uh, a lot of things about how prestigious NYU is, um, being at, uh, at, uh, Manhattan and, and getting a at large bid into the NCAA tournament, which is insane to think about an MAAC school getting it an at large bid. That's, that'd be exciting to me to see if I ever get that chance. But, um, we talk about a variety of things today is super awesome. It's a little bit longer, so I'm not going to yap on too long. And, and as we say, and I will say this in, uh, in the episode as well uh be careful out there um take the necessary precautions and you've all heard this before but i feel like i should say it again because it still seems people are traveling to florida um stay inside uh just because you're 
going to survive it doesn't mean other people won't survive it. And you never know who you're going to come in contact with. We just had a, a confirmed case down in uh, Floyd County, Indiana, which is down by Louisville. And the, uh, the guy provided where he had been um, over the course of leading up to being hospitalized with it. And boy, is it a list. And boy, did that guy enjoy attending IHSAA events, which is our high school athletic association. So um, just because he didn't feel well, kind of blew it off and uh, went to these events with thousands of people in attendance, and um, including kids, elderly, babies maybe, infants, uh, student athletes even, and uh, chose to uh, go the selfish way and um, expose himself and everybody else to that. Um, so be smart, stay safe. I'm going to talk to you all soon. But today I do have a great one for you, the Hall of Famer and the SID Godfather. We'll start off episode 153 of SID Cast with Jeff Bernstein at the NYU Violets. And uh, his sport background going up right here on SID Cast. Yeah, um... You know, I even remain active to this day. And when I was younger, I mean, sports was everything. I grew up in a in a housing project in Coney Island in Brooklyn. And, uh, you know, we would always congregate downstairs from our houses. And we would, you know, play punch ball, uh, softball, basketball, football. I mean, you name it, we would do it. And... You know, I always just love sports. I love competition. Uh, I would have loved one day to have been a professional baseball player. I think that was the sport that I would have had the best chance at. But, um, you know, as I got older and, you know, more uh, other subjects and topics and parts of life uh, become a part of you as you get older, I wasn't so so focused on a sport anymore. Um, and, you know, so the, the high quality that I would have needed to do that never really appeared. Uh, I think I did try out for my college baseball team, but I uh, didn't make it. And I guess that was technically the end of that dream, but, you know, I was able to get into a field that is all about sports and education, which are two things that are, you know, utmost of, uh, you know, always been important to me and to my family. Yeah. You kind of mentioned college there a little bit. Now, what, at what point when you were at St. John's, did you come across sports information? I mean, what was your very first taste with that? Well, the thing is I started out undergrad at Baruch college, which is one of mm. the, one of the schools in the city university of New York system. And in fact, that's where I had tried out for the baseball team. I don't think I would have ever tried out at St. John's. No. Such a high, high caliber team. But um, what happened was I was actually working a summer job in an office building. I was basically like a maintenance mover type of guy. We'd move furniture from office to office and maybe clean a little bit. And there was a day where I think it was like July the 5th of whatever year it was. And there was a newsstand in the building 
you know, where they sold newspapers and candy and soda mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. And there was a stack of newspapers outside of the newsstand because what had happened was July 4th, everybody was closed. So whatever newspapers that had been delivered were sitting out there. I just remember picking up the newspaper, you know, saving myself a buck. And um, I read an article about the Jackie Robinson Foundation. The Jackie Robinson Foundation was just beginning and it was uh, meant to grant scholarships for people at this, um, uh, uh, in this new developing major called athletic administration to get people involved in this. And St. John's was one of the schools that had this um, program. Mm. And it was, I think it was based mostly for minority students. And uh, I just went ahead and applied. I read, I applied and I told, you know, it was part like, why do you want to do this? Why do you love sports? Blah, blah, blah. Next thing you know, I was accepted into the program. Back then, I think I got a $500 scholarship, which of course today would be a, would be like one meal. But uh, back then, $500 was probably like 10% of what the uh, tuition cost was. So I changed fields. And after three years at Baruch College, I shifted over to St. John's. And that's where uh, I started this program and really got involved in how collegiate sports might work. And, you know, from there on, I stayed in the business and, you know, have always been doing something sports related. Yeah, you and I kind of had the same job there because I used to do a lot of summer stuff with maintenance and things like that. My, really? I did it for I did it for like a school corporation though, so um, I would have to you know do like you said, move on the furniture, and there were some some things we would have to go and fix. You know, whether uh, I mean we're in rural Southern Indiana here, so um, we would have like a groundhog would get into the the administration <laughs> building basement. Um, just things like that. Uh, my favorite time would be we would be sent out to a school and, you know, our schools would be all over the county. Like we, it takes 15, 20 minutes to get to them. And um, as soon as we get there, it'd be kindergarten nap time and we couldn't do anything because <laughs> we had to let the kids sleep. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my, my, um, my job was in an office building, like all the way downtown Manhattan, right by, uh, the Staten Island Ferry and right by the Statue of Liberty Ferry down in Battery Park area. Um, and it was, it was a cool experience because I worked, you know, I was younger then obviously, and I worked with a lot of people and, you know, um, and it was, a, it was actually a real decent paying job for someone mm-hmm. you know, of my age and my limited skill at that time. Um, but uh, it's just ironic how, you know, how a path of your life can change, you know, in a split second by some kind of weird thing, you know, like Mm -hmm. in this case, if I hadn't seen that newspaper, it's not like I would have known about this on social media because there was no social media, you know? So I would never have really known about this program and I would, you know, really just totally changed my life. And, you know, think of, you know, anybody in any walk of life where, you know, you're meaning to do something and something happens and then all of a sudden it opens up and hey, relationships, right? You're 
Right. Walking down the street, you meet somebody for the first time, you wind up marrying them. You know, it's just, you, you just don't know. It's uh, it's a real, you know, just, a, it's, you know, and it's something that you always remember. You know, there mm-hmm. might be things that happened yesterday or the day before that I don't remember. But this thing that happened that changed the path of my life, certainly I'll always remember. Yeah, I remember, for me even, as we're talking about moments here, um, when I was kind of telling you off air, I was a student athlete at a small NAI school before I transferred to, to USI. People have heard the story before, but I must say it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I got injured like really bad when I got there. Um, I had two stress fractures in both of my legs. Um, went to the doctor. Doctor does the x-rays on your legs. Stress fractures aren't supposed to show up, but guess what shows up on the x-rays? So I've got two broken legs. I'm like in two boots. And I remember so being so down on myself, you know, and um, I went to my intro to sport management class. And this guy who is a sports information director is our guest speaker for the day. And he gets up there and he pulls up the back end of sidearm and he is literally doing sidearm he's literally working while he's speaking to us and i remember seeing the back end of the website i'm like man this looks insane Hmm. and he said he needed workers and i was like well hell i'm broken i'll just go in and talk to him so as soon as my class was over i met him at his office and here we are five years five six years later of doing that so it's funny that you mentioned that about moments and things now that's why I, i don't really dwell on things like that because i know that things happen for a reason right i don't know about you but that's that's the one reason why i don't sweat the small stuff like that yeah you know um in these days in these times of uncertainty what's happening in our country what's happening in our world um and we all have to really take a step back and uh you know this is the new normal at this point Mm -hmm. uh you try to look for positives um i can't find many positives right now about what's happening but i did relate this story uh i have a young uh cousin who is a sophomore at Ryder university in new jersey and uh, he's a budding journalist and he was very very excited because he was going to cover the metro atlantic uh, conference tournament, which was being held in Atlantic City. And Ryder is actually near the top of the league. So he goes and blah, blah, blah. He's all excited. And as you know, that that tournament got canceled, as did everything else. Well, mm-hmm. you know, the poor kid, he was so excited. Well, I get a, I get a, a text from him two, three days ago letting me know that he just uh, because of the situation he was in, being there for possibly the last game that was played, uh, a, he wrote an article for the Daily News, for the New York Daily News, which obviously is a very you know, big newspaper, one of the majors here in New York. And he was published mm-hmm. in the New York Daily News. Now, he would never have been published in the New York Daily News if all of this hadn't happened, because the New York Daily News has their own writers. But because of the circumstances and the, their need now for content, he was able to get in there. So here's an example of someone who, at least at the moment, has somewhat benefited from this. And of course, there are 
companies out there that are selling surgical masks and there are companies out there that are doing takeout delivery and those companies are i'm sure they wish this wouldn't happen but that's the thing you, you just never know positives turn into negatives negatives turn into positives you open up a newspaper your life changes you break your leg your life changes um anything is possible at any time and and i think we're learning those things even more at the moment yeah absolutely uh, completely agree with you so uh i want to talk a little bit more about the coronavirus stuff maybe a little bit later but first let's kind of get back to some of your um your background here so you get to st john's and you took advantage on these opportunities moments like we all said um what were how did you get into sports information through that or was it kind of a journalism path i mean can you spare no detail well you know um i didn't get involved at st john's as far as athletics go like i didn't get hmm. a job in their sports information office or you know working with any of the teams or anything i just went about you know, my education and learning about this business of athletic administration. And again, you know, you know, another irony, what happened was, so I graduate and I don't have a job. Um, and I start sending out resumes and letters to pretty much every college I knew of. And I would send out letters saying, hey, I just graduated from this program. I think I can help, you know, you, blah, 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 blah. And, and, and I would just get rejection letter after rejection letter after rejection letter to the point where I was actually saving them, you know, just like, uh, what was that movie, uh, the, about the, uh, the professional, uh, the, the, um, the Philadelphia Eagle of, of mm. Valley. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. I get the name of the movie right now, but if you remember, you know, as he was trying to make it, he had a letter in his locker from, I guess, his father or from his girlfriend saying, hey, you'll never make it and you'll never amount to anything. And he kept it in his locker as a motivation as he was trying to fulfill this dream of becoming a pro. Well, I used to save these rejection letters and literally hundred of them and saying, well, you know what, this is going to motivate me. And, and one of those crazy thing happens. Uh, one day, I come home from wherever I was and uh, my mom tells me she got a call from the athletic director at Hunter College. And she had told me that she had gotten into a conversation with him. And it, ironically enough, he grew up like two blocks from where we lived. So the connection between that and the conversation with my mom and the fact that we lived so close together, got me in that front door. If, if he hadn't spoken to my mom, if we hadn't lived nearby, maybe it would never have happened. But anyway, that was my introduction. That was my first offer. I wound up as a, as the sports information director at Hunter. And I learned really early how it's long hours, little pay part-time. You're supposedly a part-time person, but you work, you know, full-time hours. And I actually had found a full-time job in, in like a marketing type of job. And then I would go to Hunter at night and I would work uh, at Hunter at night. And eventually that became a full-time job. And that's really how I got my foot in the door. As I will tell anybody who cares to listen, 
I'm one of the few people that you can find these days that actually started out as a sports information director. Nowadays, you start out as a graduate assistant or a student assistant or a full-time assistant, but nobody starts out as a sports information director because now the way this field has become is you need so much experience before you get to that level. Well, at that point, I had no, little or no experience, but it was just like, uh, you know, a newer business. So you could start out as the as the director. Of course, I had nobody to direct because there was nobody working for me. I guess eventually maybe I was able to find some students. But uh, uh-huh. so 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 nobody can do that now. But that's how I got in. And then, you know, from there, I learned how to become a sports information director. Yeah, what were some lessons, like you said, you kind of came into it a little bit cold. What were some lessons other than the long hours, little pay that you learned very early on that, oh, this is this is the expectation of the field? Well, you know, I think I think I think the best thing that you learn right away and what I've kept with me is that you have to have relationships with people. I mean, that is the bottom line. You can't you know, you can't hide away from people. You have to talk to them. You have to deal with them. Sometimes it's positive. Sometimes it's negative. Um, and you learn from your mistakes. I remember making a lot of mistakes when I started. Simple things like spelling mistakes. Remember, I used to use something called a typewriter. And the typewriter <laughs> didn't have an automatic spell check, you know. And I didn't have anybody at the school who knew my job better than I did even because they didn't know it at all. And I knew it a little. So I was fortunate enough. I didn't have any real expectations, you know, people expecting me to do things because, you know, whatever I was doing was, was new for a lot of people and, you know, helping them, helping the coaches. Um, so it was, it was, uh, it was an interesting time but it was like so cool that I was working in sports, you know, that I had a job in sports. So I just did the best I could from there and, you know, eventually went on. How did you kind of navigate the discussions, like you said, with your coaches, maybe with other people of your college or your institution and say, hey, I'm a new position. This is why this position is important. Um, this is how I'm going to help you. I mean, what was that whole experience like just seeing this? this new business blossom basically? Well, I think back then the biggest thing that I could do for them was to uh, like get little articles placed in newspapers and get publicity for their programs. Um, Hmm. And back then, of course it was different than it is now where we do our own publicity. Um, Back then, you know, we needed like a newspaper or a TV station to to take an interest in us and in order to do that then you had to form relationships with the media people and i you know i can't i can't tell you that i remember everything about that time it was quite a long time ago but i just remember you know the personalities of the coaches and uh the personalities of the other administrators and just thinking that if, you know, if you're well-liked and people uh, know that you're 
trying to help them, then you know that you've kind of ahead of the game. And you know, I just tried to organize. You know, organization is, is so important in what we do. Keeping records, mm-hmm. keeping track of things, being able to answer questions when people call and need or want things. That that was very important, and in fact, that's still very important to me. I always feel like, well, so now I'm at NYU for 20 years. I want somebody who calls up and needs something that happened during the time I was there. I will be able to find exactly what they need. And to me, that's what we are also. We are placeholders for our universities uh, for the time that we're there. We want to make sure that whatever happens is recorded and, uh, you know, safe for future generations, really. Mm-hmm. I've, some people have come on the show and said that we're kind of almost like the historian of the athletic department right. in, in, in a sense. So, um, yeah, you mentioned you've been at NYU for 20 years, but let's fill some of that time gap a little bit here real quick. Know that you went to Manhattan, worked for the Jaspers a little bit. Uh, maybe even the Mac. I call it. I was there for a lot. Yeah, a lot, lot of it. A lot of it. Awesome. Well, uh, let's tell tell us about that then. Um, tell us how you moved around. Maybe um, did you always want to stay in New York? Did you look at any opportunity outside? I mean, what was what was life like at that time? Funny. Uh, I actually did. Um, well, I'll get to it. I did work. Uh, I did have almost opportunities, literally in other ends of the country. Not at that time, but I think, I think, it, before I got went to Manhattan, one of my interviews was up at the University of Southern Maine. Uh, mm. You know, of course, I'm single at that time, still young, and you know, you can go and do whatever you want. There's no real attachments. I thought about that, how exciting that might be. Um, it didn't come to fruition. Um, then there was another time, I believe, after a while at Manhattan where I had a, uh, had a, uh, interview, uh, out in California at, uh, San Diego state. And again, uh, I had the opportunity. It would have been crazy. I mean, I love California, but I was in a, a situation where I could have done it. And again, that did not come to fruition, but, uh, the Manhattan job was one that, um, you know, worked out, you know, you know, worked out well. Uh, I actually had applied for the job two years earlier and someone else got it. And then two years later, um, it came up again and I got it. And the fact is that, you know, I was working in the same community, you know, the same media market, dealing with the same people. And, you know, you know, you fraternize over the years. I guess now it's called networking, but back then it wasn't yeah. networking. It was <laughs> It was fraternizing. And um, mm-hmm. and so enough people at Manhattan knew me. And uh, I guess I had enough recommendation to be able to get that job. And I was there for 11 years. And it was, you know, and it was different. It was, it was much different. It was very exciting. There was, uh, you know, a Division One now. Now it's Division One. And then I started doing a lot of traveling. So we would play, you know, you play within the MAC. So you're playing teams that are relatively close by. Um, with a couple of stops in Buffalo. And by the way, that was my favorite. I used to love going up to Buffalo 
to play Niagara and Canisius and stopping and going to the anchor bar for wings. I <laughs> think about that all the time. I really do. Um, in fact, we traveled as a family like two years ago up to Canada and we passed through Buffalo and I wanted to drag, drag my family with me. Unfortunately, we were passing through at like 10 in the morning and uh, the restaurant wasn't open yet, but I, I, I lobbied to stay an extra couple hours in Buffalo just so we could go and eat there. But I was outvoted two to one by my wife and my son. So <laughs> didn't get to do that. But, uh, you know, you know, really Manhattan gave me the opportunity to like at that point start networking, I guess, meeting a lot of, you know, people who I wouldn't otherwise be you know, people broadcasted games on ESPN, covered games for the local newspapers and, you know, we started doing radio and then towards the end, we started doing television, and, you know, and there was some just really great times and really great stories. And, you know, I was with the first Manhattan team that made it to the NCAA tournament in like 37 years. And then two years later, we made it again as the first Mac team that ever made an at-large bid to the tournament. You know, we were sitting in that room watching on the screen, hoping and hoping, and then your name flashes up. So, and then we all went crazy. We had local media there. And that's the kind of, you know, again, moment that you just, you can't ever forget. That was just, you know, phenomenal. And, you know, and again, we went to great places. I mean, I, I went one, uh, we had an abroad trip to Spain one summer, you know, we played out at Stanford, we played at Texas, we played at Arizona state, we played up at DePaul. I mean, we played, you know, I really got to see, you know, the country and but it was a lot of work. You know, it was a lot of work. I never had a full-time assistant, a lot of work. Um, but it taught me, you know, again, a lot more about the business. And, you know, back then, you know, people really, you know, especially when you do well, you know, people were very demanding of your time, you know. So that was a good thing. I mean, and we were darlings of New York City, back page of the New York Post you know, daily news, you know, back in the day, winning, winning a first round game. You know, we were Cinderella's before Cinderella's became popular. And we were a small little school up in Riverdale, which is in the Bronx. But of course we said Riverdale, it sounded better. And, uh, you know, it was pretty cool. I mean, it, they had a loyal following and, you know, some of the kids that played basketball there when I was there and some of the other sports, are people that I still stay in touch with, you know, I'm, it was a very, very, um, you know, important part of my life and very memorable. And, you know, these guys, you know, we somewhat stay in touch. In fact, we had a 20 year reunion just a couple of weeks ago and I appreciated being um, included in that group. I worked with, you know, coaches who went on to great things like Steve Lapis who went on, to coach at uh, Villanova and UMass and Fran Fraschilla, who went on to St. John's and now on ESPN. Um, and so, you know, those were, those were great times, but I never lost the concept of student athletes come first and education. And um, so then I moved to NYU and it had all of those things. And people would say to me, why would you leave a division one job to go to a division three? Well, you know, the students are students and education is education. And, 
you know, NYU is one of the most respected universities in the country. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter what division it is. And I, I still keep busy, you know, division one, division two, division three, everybody keeps busy. And uh, it's just, it was a different level. And, uh, you know, so that was great, great times. Yeah, I'd say so. Uh, let's tell us a little bit about um, uh, NYU for a second, the academic and maybe even athletic profile here. Because when I when I went to go find your athletic website, do your staff directory, find your name and everything, second thing that popped up under NY, New York University was the acceptance rate. And I will tell you, it is selective. Yes, it is. Yep. So tell us a little bit about that, because you're a bit of a hidden gem, I would say, within um, kind of a, a smaller but maybe academically more prestigious, I would say, one of the t cream of the crop field. Yeah, I, you know, I'm surprised they accepted me uh, to take the job in the first place. I don't know how I got through the, uh, the uh, you know, all of the uh, requirements. You know, mm -hmm. we get the numbers something like, oh, you know, 50,000 people are applying this year. We have 50,000 freshman applications and maybe they take, I don't know, 8,000, you know, so the numbers are that. And, and the thing is the athletics, we don't get any kind of special break. You know, we don't, I mean, we have, you know, each coach will put in a, a list of, you know, the top recruits and stuff, but if they don't, they don't have what it takes. They don't get in. So it is very selective. Um, and that's why, uh, you know, our teams, uh, you know, don't always win national championships because we are selective and we, we don't just take the best athletes. You know, we make, take the best student athletes. And, you know, we're kind of proud of that. You know, we, we want to win. We want to be the best. We have won national championships. We have had great seasons. In fact, this season has been really a terrific season for us. But we don't, um, you know, we don't weaken our pool by accepting people who don't really have the academics. And, and you know, it's a lot more than just brains. It's kids who come in and they've, they've done lots of great things outside. I mean, they come in so well prepared for college life. They volunteered and community service and you know some of them have businesses already believe it or not write books i mean it's it's incredible what these guys have done that's why it's so challenging you know the whole you know time management and we talked about that off air as well that just to be able to do everything and succeed in life and you know the different pressures so like at division one if you're on the basketball team, you might have like serious pressure to be the best so that maybe you can get a pro career. You know, here it's different. You want to do your best because you're a competitor and you want to win, but you know that your career, you know, 2000 out of 2001 times is not going to be as a professional athlete. So you also have to manage your academics to make sure that you're advancing in whatever it is that you want to do. And I think that we support them. So I'm kind of proud of how we do, even if we don't win national championships every year. Yeah. I, um, 
you're, it sounds like you don't have any shortage on stories to, to, to put out to the media there. And you mentioned something a little bit ago um, when I asked you, uh, how do you gain how do you gain that notoriety within your university about being a new this new position and you would write get little articles written uh in a newspaper or something around new york so um how do you break through the noise now i mean you're you're in a media market that is literally number one uh in the country and uh, one of the top in the world so how do you break through the noise uh to get some a little bit notoriety for your student athletes even at a smaller level well you know, as far as the, you know, the local media, you know, I've learned now, back in the day, I would just constantly barrage them with stuff, thinking that hopefully something will work. I, I, I liken that to fishing, you know, and throwing a hook into the, into the water and hope that, that some fish will bite. You know, my philosophy on that has changed, you know, much uh, now what I'll do is I will just come out with something if I think it's a really, really good story. Like I won't try to get them to put in the paper that, you know, our soccer team won a three to two game last night against Hunter college. You know, they're obviously not going to have much interest in that. So you have to find stories. So, you know, over the past couple of years, we've, you know, have had, very interesting stories like the only women's the only female to coach a male soccer team in the NCAA. Um, Mm. We had a a student athlete who was going to be in the Olympics doing Taekwondo. So you have to find stories that are not just straight sports stories anymore. And that's, I mean, our golf team won the national championship last year, and maybe I got a paragraph or two in the paper. But that's not what's selling. So mm. you know, we have to promote our own. So, and that's what that's what SI do, SIDs do everywhere now, and they do a lot better job than me uh, on social media. And they're getting out stories, pumping them out every five minutes uh, because they have an audience. So right now. You know, whereas my audience used to be, well, we got to let everybody in New York and possibly the nation know what's happening at Manhattan College or NYU. Now it's like we have people who care about us, people who know where to find us, people who follow us on social media, people who go to the website. Those are the people that we are now, that's our audience. So we have to adjust our uh, our stories to them. So it doesn't have to be the most incredible story of all time. It can be stories about our soccer game last night or our volleyball match last night, because there are people who care about it. Let's make it interesting so that they want to, they want to read about us or, you know, follow us. So that, that's how that's changed. Yeah. I think it's becoming more and more of a, uh, you have to be your own news outlet, I think is what it's coming down to. Because even here at Indiana, like it, it, that's what's so different. Because my undergrad was at Division Two, um, my little bit of grad school is at Division Two, and then uh, you, you know, to trying to get well, we were well, I guess a little bit because we were in a, a part of Indiana to where there's not much other than Purple Aces uh, across town. But now, like I could at USI, I could have tweeted about soccer, maybe gotten one like. I tweet about soccer at Indiana 
and I'll get a hundred within a minute. Like that's just, that's, that's what's so crazy and bizarre, I think. And, and especially when you're at a smaller levels, which where I started out at becoming more and more of, of your own news outlet, maybe having even some better written feature stories, especially now as, as everybody's, you and I are both sitting from home. My fiance is working at home. I mean, we're, this is a time to where, uh, writing, we got to step it up a little bit. Don't you think? Yeah. And, and, you know, I personally like to write. Uh, I also have a side job. I don't have it now because pro mm. sports aren't happening, but I do uh, freelance with the associated press and I do cover local pro basketball games. And, you know, I do get a chance to write and I do enjoy writing. And I actually like to work with my student, my student workers and my assistant on writing I mean, it is a lost art, um, but everything goes in cycles. So maybe one day we'll, you know, be, you know, writing, we'll come back um, there. Uh, it's just, it, you know, it's just, they're just, just the attention spans aren't there right now. So you got to mm. kind of hit people and hit them quickly and, and attract them. So it's a different, uh, it's a different situation. But, uh, you know, bottom line is this student athletes, you know, that's what I consider ourselves more education than athletics or, you know, PR, you know, it used to be the other way around and different schools have different goals. So for instance, they're not relying on sports information at NYU to attract students to the university. So mm-hmm. the burden on me is not the same as it was when I was at Manhattan, where the, the, the goals and, and, and the tremendous need for the team, specifically men's basketball, to do well helped people recruit to Manhattan College. So if the team didn't do well, uh-oh, you know, maybe the coach is in trouble. You know, or if we don't get stories in the newspaper, then the SID is in trouble. You know, mm-hmm. what was important? Well, Manhattan's biggest rivals were like Fordham and Iona, which were both nearby, both at the time, both in the MAC. And if there was a story about an Iona player or a Fordham player, then, you know, I catch grief. How come it wasn't about Manhattan player? Well, it might be because they're a lot better than us. Uh, I would like to not think it was because I wasn't as creative as those guys, but you know, back in the day, who knows? So it's a different thing here. There are some even division three schools that athletics is what they're mostly about. So they have the pressure of getting, you know, athletes in there and they get them in however they do. Um, I don't know if their standards are, I'm not going to say their standards are, are lower than ours. I don't know that for a fact. But I know we have a very high standard and I know that athletics is not what, you know, doesn't row the boat, you know, at, at NYU. So it's a different mm-hmm. thing. We want to make sure our athletes have a great experience and that they get a great education. Uh, we want them to win championships, but I don't think it's the end all. And it might be different at other universities and, you know, to each his own. Yeah, I think this last question before we go to some fun questions here, I, I want to ask you something. I think that's just how I'm going to start asking people here as we hit into a, a, a really, uh, what is that? I would say an awkward time to be in college athletics. How, where were you at, I guess, 
when you got the notice that it, it was all over basically for the year? I mean, what were you doing? Um, will you ever forget that moment? Well, that's a good question. I mean, we were, I was traveling uh, with the women's basketball team. We were playing in the NCAA tournament and um, you know, we were up in Maine and we saw things starting to close down uh, the, the NESCAC schools, which are, you know, populated in that area had decided that they weren't going to um, continue the spring. They weren't either going to start or continue their spring seasons. And, uh, you know, at that time we thought that things were going to go on. And I just remember how things just started to close down. Just, I mean, it wasn't like a particular moment. I was actually watching uh, the St. John's game in the Big East tournament when, and that they stopped at halftime. I mean, that, you know, that was a really slap to the face. So I can't really say, to me, I felt that it evolved. I don't think, to me, it was like that one shot, like, yeah. you know, you know, they shot the president or, you know, uh, you know, did the did nine, you know, on nine eleven, the towers were just attacked. There's not that one moment there. I think to me, it's the dominoes of this happened and then that happened and then that happened. And then I guess everybody pretty much, and I agree, it was the NBA. Once the NBA canceled, then everybody started falling down. But you see at the end here, there is no other choice. I mean, there there's just there is just no other choice. And you know, I just hope that we will all look back on this at some point and say, hey, that was a really tough time. That was, you know, a, a, you know, something unforgettable. But, you know, as a as a nation and as a people and a society, you know, we were able to, you know, withstand this, outlast it and move on and maybe learn lessons. Maybe we'll learn lessons from this, you know, but that that's the yeah. hope. Yeah, I think if anything, it'll show just kind of how to prepare for the next time that this happens. And I guarantee you that there will be a next time sometime in the future where um, the country's kind of scrambling their infrastructure a little bit to maybe embrace for such another virus or things like that. I mean, other countries have done that after they have experienced something like this to where they the next one they have, you know, stopped it at source, basically. Yeah. Um, I guess you're kind of right when when you said that it was a culmination of things. And, and I guess asking the one moment was, was, was wrong to ask. Cause I think even for me, I was covering softball where they were in Florida and um, I got a text message from our SID who was in Florida. And he said, uh, you need to stop tweeting. Um, and when I saw our head SID come in the office on the phone, he's running around and uh, we're in an office to where, Everybody, there's like a huge, it's almost like a, like a computer lab. Um, and then there's these glass doors on the other side of the glass are all the, uh, head offices and everything. And, um, when everybody's kind of stopping and turning to our head SID, who's also named Jeff, uh, everybody's listening to hanging on every word he says, that was kind of like the writing on the wall that, Hey, we're done here. And it was like, everything was happening and you couldn't stop it from happening if that makes sense. That was kind of the feeling that, that I got a little bit, but yeah, I mean, um, yeah. I just remember doing so much preparation 
for mm-hmm. a weekend that everything got canceled. Like this got canceled, then that got canceled, but this is still on and now this is still mm-hmm. on. And and then it just all fell. You know, it you just tried your best and you tried not to like panic and you know think the worst, but it was, you know, it was a domino effect and you, you know, you just couldn't stop it. And you know, yeah. and here's where we are today, you know, and mm-hmm. we just gotta all keep our heads. We gotta keep our heads. We gotta do the yeah. best we can. And you know, it might just be, you know, statistically speaking, things are gonna happen. And then, you know, and, and you know, every once in a while something comes up that hasn't happened before. I mean, you know, again, to me, the nine eleven things, I mean, I'm so close to that. I mean, you know, New York City. I mean, NYU from I wasn't at the school that day, but NYU is maybe three miles away from ground zero. Wow. So, you know, yeah. I mean, man, you always think this can't happen to you or in your neighborhood. And 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 in fact, it probably won't. You know, uh, even this virus. I mean, theoretically, statistically speaking, we shouldn't get it. I shouldn't get it. You shouldn't get it. The next person shouldn't get it. Somebody will get it. Some people will get yeah. it. But statistically, not everybody should get it. Now, if it comes to fruition that everybody gets it, then then that's something new. But, you know, it, it you just don't know. Do your best. Be smart and be, be considerate of other people. You know, you're not feeling well. Don't go out. You know, don't do things to put other people in jeopardy, you know, just to make your life a little bit more comfortable at the time. That, that you know, if everybody does that, then we'll just all go down. I'll say one last thing real quick before we got to move on here. Um, I like what you mentioned about statistics. Um, that's very kind of close to me. Because when I was 14 years old, 13, 14 years old, my mom got cancer. She, um, she's fine now, by the way. Uh, she had something like a 4% chance of it being cancer. And guess what? She got it. Yeah. So that's why, like, when people are, that's what kills me. All these kids that are going to, to Florida and they're going to Alabama still on their spring break trips in the middle of all this, even when they can contract it, they're like, yeah, you don't feel good. But I just, the reason why you and I are talking today and not yesterday is because I had to go help my 93 year old grandmother who lives in assisted living with, you know, hundreds of other people just like her. Mm. If one person gets it, then they're all going down, you know, and and to think that somebody's going to be selfish just to go to Florida, just a party, you know, that grinds my gears, but that's yeah. for that's for a different time. So, um, yeah, let's switch this as part of the interview to where I like to ask some fun questions. Jeff, how does that sound to you? Fun is always good. Fun is fun. Yeah, fun is fun. Um, what's uh, what's your favorite memory in your f- professional tenure? Mm. It might be that that time when we got an at large bid and at. Manhattan College and we were sitting in the room and just the happiness of that all. But I was also with the NYU cross country team when we won a national championship. And it was kind of cool because in cross country, you don't know what the score is. There's no scoreboard where you know you won after the ninth inning when the buzzer goes off. And you as a former runner understand we needed for everything to be totaled. And then all of a sudden it lit up on the scoreboard, you know, 
NYU national champion, whatever. And, you know, that's really a, a great moment. Hey, now those are all, and it's funny. I'm glad that I just realized this without thinking about it. Those are all things that are not like me. Like I didn't do anything. I didn't play basketball and get an at-large bid. And I didn't run cross country and get a national championship, nor like with golf last year, I didn't sink a putt. But those are the things I thought of first. But now, given another minute, I'm thinking like, holy heck, I was invited into the Cosida Hall of Fame last year. Like, yeah. when that happened, it was like really, really cool. And I'm really still excited about it, but it didn't come to my mind first. So I, I think that's kind of, that's a good thing. I feel like, I feel proud of myself that that was the first <laughs> thing that I thought of. Yeah, awesome. Well, um, was uh, giving some XCs some love there. I appreciate that. And I can, being one of the, when I was in high school, we were, we were like a ranked team in the state there a little bit. And we went on this streak of winning back to back to back to back to back meets. And uh, it, it, I can tell you, and yeah, some of you may be covering cross country track from the comfort of your own home on a Saturday morning or something like that. But dude, being there and like you said, not knowing what the score is, it is a stressful few minutes mm. when they're going through the awards. But um, if you have one, what's the other side of the coin? What's your biggest horror story? Oh God! You know, there, there, there are things that um, I guess I, I guess not proud of, or I, I goofed up on. Uh, one of the things that I remember is when I was at Hunter. You know, we were always again. I always wind up starting associated with teams that don't do so well. Um, but, <laughs> but at at Hunter, our basketball team was not that good. But we made it to the conference tournament. And we were like the eighth seed and uh, we were playing the number one seed, which I believe was the college of Staten Island. And I remember I had pitched the story prior to the game uh, to the local media and uh, they kind of dismissed us as like, you know what, you guys aren't good. You know, we, we're not going to do that. And I remember they were there at the game. They had decided to kind of more do a feature maybe on Staten Island. And uh, I remember we were playing great in the first half and we were really up by a lot of points. And I remember seeing the guy, uh, whoever the sports guy was, and I said something to him like, uh, uh, you know, uh, are you like, are you happy with your decision now? Or like, oh, I told you we were great. Like a kind of like, an, I told you. <laughs> and then of course we sucked in the second half. We lost by like a point or something. And I remember the guy seeking me out after the game. And he said, I guess I'm covering the right team, aren't I? And I remember that. Wow. Boy, did that teach me a lesson to keep your mouth shut till the end of the final, yeah. until the final buzzer. Again, that's one of those things that I, you know, that I'll never forget. I also remember that I mis I misspelled the word volleyball in a press release way back when and it being returned to me with big circles on it saying you misspelled this. And then the other thing I remember, and these were all in my early days, so I'm glad I got better. Um, we had a press conference or something for, to, to announce our new basketball coach at Hunter. And I remember going through it and then 
when the new coach, as the new coach is coming up, like somebody from the audience said something like, what's his name? Like, I forgot to give the guy's name in the introduction. It's like, how could you do that? So I, I learned, I got a little bit better, not that much better, but I got a little bit better. <laughs> went on. Um, in your mind, what traits or characteristics make a good SID? Personality. Um, uh, you have to be someone who, you know, a lot of these like pro athletes will say, well, I don't care if anybody likes me. I'm just doing my job. Well, I think it's important that people like you. Um, yes. Be likable, you know, um, and be, you have to communicate and you have to be likable. You know, you have to, if, if people don't like you, they're not going to cooperate with you. You And you have to have thick skin. You know, sometimes people will criticize your work. Um, but if you're doing your best, you're trying hard uh, and you're keeping, you know, your job as a priority, the athletes and the coaches as a priority, um, I think that's, you know, that's the main thing. You know, um, um, you know, the technical parts of it, everybody's going to do things a different way. Um, be honest, um, you know, and do your best. Awesome. Um What's one thing maybe you're looking forward to learning more about in this profession? Uh, how to save money for retirement. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I learn a little bit from people who are younger than me, who have more expertise in these things. Um, I, 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 I like, I, I enjoy solving problems at this moment. Uh, that's kind of one of the things that I really like to do. Um, you know, unless it's a, a really tragic and listen, we're getting into some bad times here. Um, but people, and I say this all the time, this isn't, you know, the job. I don't want to say the world. The job isn't life and death. You misspell somebody's name. You get a statistic wrong. You forget to mention the coach's name. Nobody's going to live or die because of that. And if you take that out of the equation, you, your stress level shouldn't get to the point where you drive yourself crazy. You work on Wall Street, that's one thing. You're a physician, that's one thing. You're a sports information director, guys. Let's put it in perspective. Okay. All right. Solid. Um, let's see here. Next time somebody's in New York, and I have never personally been to New York. Oh, I have never been further now, than... but come some other time. You got it. Um, but I think I've been as far, maybe as D.C., maybe some Pennsylvania stuff. Mm -hmm. um, what's your restaurant or bar recommendation? Go up to Buffalo, go to the Anchor Bar and get some really good wings. <laughs> hey, you can't find good wings in New York City. Um, yeah. You know, again, I would like to recommend some couple of sports bars, but there's no sports to go on. Um, you know, so um, I, I don't really have, a, <laughs> I hate to say this too, the restaurants that I've liked the best, they all seem to disappear um, from, from New York City. Uh, there were a couple of places, really good Italian place. I forgot the name, but I closed down after I used to go all the time. There's a great place called the Kiev. It's not a bar, but they, but they specialized in pierogies. Um, if you from Pennsylvania, you know what a pierogi is, but if you're not, you might not know the potato dumplings. Sensational. Ooh. Just so delicious. That place closed down. There was a couple of sports bars that did have good wings. They had closed down. So, you know, 
to me to recommend a place is like a death knell for the place. So to keep everybody in business for as long as they can, I'm not going to give out too many recommendations. Gotcha. Well, it sounds like you're a wings guy, um, which I trust your, uh, trust your endorsement because i am also a wings guy so next time i'm in buffalo never been to buffalo either i might, might have to you know what might have to go and out. it's just what i used to do is even if it was freezing uh i used to go up to niagara falls and, and check out niagara falls which is just like you know one of the most awesome places in the world and i remember mm-hmm. trying to convince some of the kids that i would take with me that the falls was frozen that to show them that the falls was frozen but of course it never was no matter how cold it got up there. Um, um, you know, I, I'm also a pizza guy. There's a couple of good, really good pizzerias. There's one right near Madison Square Garden um, that I go to a lot. They have like 80 varieties of different pizza. Um, it's kind of expensive, though. So if you do come to New York, make sure that you bring a lot of money with you. <laughs> okay, will do. Um, outside of the office, what do you do for fun? Well, <clears throat> I still do. Like I said, I keep pretty active. Um, I During the winter, I play uh, touch football once a week. I play tennis. Uh, I play softball. Um, not too much golf anymore because I really am really, really bad at it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I keep those things. I'm not a gym guy. That's the problem. I'm not a gym keeping healthy that way guy. I, I, I still like to compete and play. Those are things I do um, to keep busy and, you know, obviously love to spend time with my son, but he's a teenager, so it's hard to get him interested in things that I want to do. So, you know, and I still, I go to, you know, I go to, uh, if baseball starts again, I do. Um, I am kind of a partial season ticket holder for the Mets, although I also root for the Yankees and people say, how can you root for both? Well, I can. There's no law that says I can't. Um, right. so I do that a lot and, you know, just, I'm kind of a social guy and try to hang out with as many people as I can when, when I can and, and, uh, you know, just keep active. I like to just keep active. Awesome. Uh, if anybody had any questions for you, want to get in touch with you, what, uh, what'd be the best way to do it? Uh, well, I mean, if they want to get in, I'm always available to, to everyone. Um, I, they can. They can tweet at the SID Godfather or they can send me an email and I'm happy to talk to anyone anytime. Awesome. Well, the Godfather is here. Thank you very much for coming on, sir. We all really do appreciate it. I hope people aren't too bored if they get to hear this. But uh, (laughs) it was a pleasure talking with you, my friend. And uh, I look forward to uh, keeping up on you. And let's hope that uh, there are better times ahead for everyone. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Thank you again.